Can we turn to Luke chapter 6, uh, 17-26? Uh, please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coast of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Uh, those troubled by evil spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who, go, who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you, and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their fathers treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, because that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thank God. Do we have that picture? Uh, there it is. That is our basketball champion for this intra-church uh, league that we have for the last six weeks. I want you to take a good look because I'm in that picture. No, I'm just kidding. I absolutely did nothing. If I grabbed the rebound, I was, I was lucky. The ball just happened to come my way. Um, it's just tradition that we hold it up. But you know, for the last six weeks, I've seen people really try um, to do their best not to get angry. We failed many times, <laughs> if you're there. Um, to really be sportsmen-like, to be Christians, to pray for each other. I saw one team that after they lost, uh, they would just go out into the hallway and just pray for each other. And, you know, we were really practicing what it means to be Christian and enjoy sports too and uh, to bless each other beyond just playing basketball. And it was really a blessing this year. It was an extra blessing because I got a championship out of it. But um, I hope that you can join us for any kind of sports event that we do. We're always trying to see what more we can do to make it really a blessing. So we're not just playing the sports, even though it's fun. It's fun playing sports, but to go beyond that and see, you know, what God has in store for us is fellowship-wise. We can take that picture out now. Okay. Next Sunday, um, we're going, next Sunday is actually Children's Sunday. I don't know if you know, but next Sunday is Children's Sunday, and we want to be able to bless the children that come out to our service. Um, There are a lot of babies that scream and yell and they're the cutest little things, and we just want to take time to give them a gift and pray for them. I know a lot of your children are in the children's services as well, but if you want to bring them, 
part of the service, uh, we just want to take time to bless them, and we have a gift. And if they are part of the children's services outside of this one, please still take a gift for them. We have something prepared, so that's next Sunday. Um, I just wanted you to know. And getting on with the sermon series, this is an exciting series because this is about the gospel to the poor. And what does that really mean? And we've been studying Luke for the last few weeks. And I want to start off with this. Our church mission statement, it's on your bulletin every week. But our church mission statement is that we exist to glorify God by blessing our neighbor through the making of disciples of Jesus Christ. And I want to say... We are a church that strives to be, and we are a church that is, present tense and future tense, missional. We are a church that strives to be, and we are a church that is missional. And what does missional mean? It means that we take what we have learned and we make disciples of Jesus Christ. We take what we have been given, all our faculties, all our talents, all the gifts that we have, and we share it with others, blessing them, sharing the joy of the gospel. And that could be in Mexico. And I hope it is. Just like Carla said, I hope it is in Mexico. I hope if you've heard this testimony, they want us there. They're blessed when we go. And we need to sign up. The harvest is plentiful, but the reality is the workers are so few, and it's so sad. But the harvest is plentiful, but it's not just across the sea, but it's in our workplaces, in our families. We want to be missional there, too. Missional means wherever God sends you, you represent Christ. He has given each and every single one of you something. Something to share with your neighbor that brings hope, that brings joy that the world can't give. And that's what we mean by we want to be missional. And today's passage, we want to ask three questions. And I hope that you could keep these three questions in mind. And the first question is, who are the blessed? Who are the blessed? Second question is, who are the woed? Woe to you. So who are the woad? And the third question is, which one are you? Who are the blessed? Who are the woad? Which one are you? And I'll start by saying this. This is not, this is not the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. This is not the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. Many people do confuse it because they sound very similar. It starts off with blessed are the poor, so it must be the same sermon, but it is not. We have hints because Luke makes a purposeful point and statement saying that it was on a level place. Why would you even say that? It's on a level place. On a level place, Jesus decided to speak. It's on a level place, which is not a mountain, which is where the Sermon on the Mount was given. So this is on a level place. And the second point is that in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus addresses a crowd. But in this Gospel, Jesus addresses a specific group of people. Who is he addressing? The disciples. Jesus is here seen addressing 
the disciples. Why is this important? Because too many people compare the Beatitudes of Luke and the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes in Matthew. And I believe that it is prudent if we do not do that. Because if we do, we may be missing the point. I hear too many times. I really like Matthew's Sermon on the Mount because Matthew says poor in spirit. I like the poor in spirit. It has much more to teach us. And I don't really like blessed are the poor. Because in Luke, you can't get away from it. You can't get away that Luke just says blessed are the poor. Period. Not in spirit. Blessed are the poor. And so many people might not like Luke's. In fact, you might not even preach about it. Unless you have to in a sermon series called Luke. I don't know. Because that's the way I like it. I like it that it's a poor in spirit because it gives me a chance, doesn't it? And I would have to say, after reading this passage, maybe disagree with that statement. Blessed in Greek is makarios, which that word blessed really was designated to the upper class, the upper echelons of society. It was for people who enjoyed wealth, prosperity, happiness, blessings, and good fortune. It's what we all want. But that word blessed was designated to that social class. And so this is a social reversal of sorts when you see Jesus say, blessed are the poor. Who are the poor? Who are the poor? And Peter says later on in Luke, but he says it in the other Gospels too, we have left everything to follow you. Why in the world would you leave everything to follow anything? I take it to mean something, or this, excuse me, this kind of scenario, someone comes up to you and says, I have a short thing. Uh, maybe not a short thing, 95% chance. 95% chance that if you bet on the Golden State Warriors winning the finals, all the way up to the finals, you can get a two-for-one you know, payment on your investment, basically gambling. So if you give me $1,000 now, and the Golden State Warriors win the championships, win the finals you get $2,000, and it's a 95% chance. Wouldn't you take that bet? I don't know. I don't know if there are many Golden State fan warriors here, but warrior fans here, but um, someone did the calculation. This is 95, and you get two to one. I don't know, right? Why would you follow anything? Why would you take any kind of bet or gamble or risk investment, you would do your due diligence to make sure that calculation is right. You would do your due diligence. If you're putting $1,000 of your own money that you've worked hard to earn, you're going to do your due diligence and make sure that you get a return on the investment that is good or equal to the amount of risk. Peter says, I've left everything to follow you. I gave up all that I had to follow you. Why would you believe that? 
How do you know anything is a sure thing? If anybody comes up to you and says, this is a sure thing. Believe in this. Believe in me, you guys. This is a sure thing. It's not a 95% chance. I'm going to say it's a 100% chance that the Rockets are going to win. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of throwing out team names here. But I would say it's a 100% chance. You know what you would respond to that? You would respond, that depends. If it's a sure thing, how do I know it's a sure thing? I need to test who you are. I need to see who you are to believe you, what you're saying. So whatever is a sure thing or a gamble or a bet or an investment, we need to see who is the one offering us this sure thing. Jesus begins by his blessing by saying the poor, addressing the poor. But remember, this audience is to the disciples. So he is saying to his disciples, blessed are the poor, assuring his disciples, yours is the kingdom of God. You know, the Gospel of Luke talks about the poor twice as much more than Matthew and Mark and here you see him equating them with the disciples. I'm not saying poverty should, is the one that's being celebrated here. Uh, in the Bible constantly, poverty is a theme that if you bring it upon yourself because of sloth or irresponsibility, you're condemned. You're not lauded with praise. Proverbs and Psalms continuously condemn people that bring poverty upon themselves. Did I say poverty and Psalms? I meant Proverbs and Psalms continuously condemn people who bring poverty upon themselves this way. And even Jesus condemns that one person with the one talent who is irresponsible. However, the poor that Jesus talks about have a special characteristic. And this is what we need to understand. Who are the poor? The poor that Jesus talks about are people that are in a state of need, a desperate state of need. In Mary's Magnificat, in the first chapter, she says, He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Blessed are you if you are in a desperate state of need because Jesus is here and He is here to fill it. The nows of these blessed are important because it talks about our current state. Our current state of need is now and Jesus' promise is I will fill it. The poor, the disciples are made aware that we need to depend on God. The physical wants make them open to the abundant love of God and the joy of his salvation. So that's why it is said, and that's why Jesus is saying, if you are poor, then you are blessed. So who are the woad? The Greek word, uai, it doesn't mean just misfortune, but it means a deep, inconsolable misery. It's in direct contrast with the word blessed in the previous verses. If the poor required independence on God, then being rich means you found a substitute for God. Who are the rich? I think Tim Keller offers a really good definition 
about what Jesus meant by poor, it means that you are seeing yourself as deeply indebted to God. You have no ability to redeem yourself. God's free generous generosity to you at infinite cost to him was the only thing that saved you. But when we talk about rich, Tim Keller calls it the spiritual middle class, which is just amazing. And he says this, On the contrary, you believe that God owes you some things. He ought to answer your prayers and to bless you for the many good things you've done. Even though the Bible doesn't use the term by inference, we can say that you are the middle class in spirit. You feel that you've earned a certain standing with God through your hard work. You also may believe that the success and the resources you have are primarily due to your own industry and energy. You see, the attitude of the rich are different. Comfort becomes king. And we complain that we are put in a place of discomfort. We complain when we are put in a place of hardship. And we say, God forbid. And please don't say it. Please don't say it. But we complain. Please don't say it. When we are put, please don't say it in a place of suffering. Who was Jesus talking to? That's important to know. Jesus was talking to the people that not just followed him. Jesus was talking to the people that called themselves his disciples. In the crowd of disciples, he is saying there are some that are poor and there are some that are rich. So blessed are the poor. Woe to the rich. Jesus was calling them out. Who really are the poor and the rich? Who really is the people that Jesus will say, you're blessed, I am with you? St. Lawrence was martyred in uh, 258 AD. And people don't really remember him for his martyrdom, but he was an archdeacon of Rome. His responsibilities as a deacon was maintaining sacred vessels of small struggling churches and of this one small struggling church and distributing alms to the poor as deacons are to do. And while he was archdeacon, the governor of Rome took Pope Sextus captive and demanded, where is the treasure of the church? Where is the treasure of the church? He wanted the church's riches and wealth. And the pope wouldn't tell him. So they tortured the Pope to death. Next, the Romans took Lawrence captive. Where is the treasure of the church? They demanded Lawrence and they threatened him with the same fate that befell the Pope. And Lawrence replied, Governor, I can't get it to you instantaneously, but give me three days and I will give you the treasure. The governor agreed and Lawrence left. Three days later... He walked into the governor's courtyard, followed by a great flood of people. The governor walked out into his balcony and said, Where is the treasure of your church? Lawrence stepped forward and pointed to the crowd that accompanied him. The lame, the blind, the deaf, the nobodies of society, and said, Here are the treasures of the Christian church. God treasures you, you who are poor, 
you are indeed blessed. His promise to you today, right now, is that even though you are hungry, right now, even though you're weeping and you're mourning over the state that you're in, right now, if people are persecuting you and talking bad about you, right now, His promise is that you will be filled. I asked the question before. How can you trust someone in what they say when they say, trust me, this is a sure thing? How can you trust someone when they say, this is the people that's who's going to be blessed? This is the kind of people you need to be. This is what you need to do. How do you know? Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, the God of infinite status, something that we can never achieve, the God of infinite wealth, something that we can never hope to attain, stripped himself of all that he had, and he became poor for us. What he says is true. What he says is sure. And we can believe and trust in him that when he says something, that it will happen. And he says to us today, blessed are the poor. If you place your trust in him and not the things of this world and you follow him, he will call you blessed. He will not let you go from his hand. And you will be with him. There will be a joy that is unattainable by this world that you will receive. And there will be joy in the things that you do. You know, if you are not poor and you are rich, there is a huge difference even if we do the same things in church. It is. It's different. When we sing a song of praise, when we pray, when we read scripture, when we do an offering, when there's a difference between the rich and the poor, who are you? Because the way you give your offering, the way you give your tithe, the way you sing your song, the way you praise is different. Don't you see, when you see that you are poor, you're in a desperate need. I need you, God. If I don't have you, God, I have nothing. Then your song is different. Then the way you give is different. Then the way you receive things are different too. Blessed are the poor. Yes, Jesus is saying that if you want to be his disciples, you have to be poor. You have to give up what you have to follow him. But he is worth it. It says in the Bible, Jesus says, there was a merchant that found a great treasure. And when he found the great treasure, he sold everything that he had so he could buy the field, so he could get that treasure. The merchant realized that this treasure was worth more than 
everything he had and to sell everything he had just to get this treasure, not even a second thought. He realized this treasure was that great. But that treasure is in front of you now. And that treasure is knocking on the door of your heart. Receive Jesus Christ. Open the door of your heart and receive him. Serve him as God. Comfort is not your king. It will not satisfy you. So what if you take five, six, seven days off of your vacation days to go to Mexico? Don't you see what God is doing is greater than anything you could have done five to seven days of your vacation? So what if you save a hundred dollars here and there and spend it on yourself? Don't you see in a month or two that becomes nothing? But when you give it away and you see God use it to bear fruit, that is eternal. Jesus is offering something that we can't get by our own merit, by ourselves. But he is saying, follow me. And he's still going to take everything that we have and say, that's blessed. That's something we don't deserve. But that's something we're getting because of Jesus. He showed us that he is true by suffering by being rejected, by being killed, but by resurrecting again. And he is saying, if you follow me, sure, you may suffer. Sure, you may be rejected. Sure, you may even be killed. But what's also sure is you will rise again with me and have eternity in the fullness of wealth, prosperity, even more than you can dream of with him. Open your hearts today. Receive the king of kings. He is sure to follow through all his promises on your life. He is a good, good God. And he deserves everything. Let's take time to pray. And when we pray... Respond to the call that God has placed in your heart now. Lord, we want to be poor. We want to be in a desperate state of need for you. Too many times we have sought comfort. We have sought the easy way out. But it was not good. We know that we need you. And we know that you are the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Hear our hearts and our prayers today. All that we have, we lift up to you. Let's take time to pray.